Hello, and welcome to the Marvel Cinema Podcast, a home for positive fan culture. I hear they talk all, about all things nerdy. I'm your co-host, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And this week on the show, we'll be discussing the year. I guess, do you want to, because it's been, yeah, it's been two weeks, so do you want to kind of do the news in a bit of a quick round way? Because <laughs> we can do. I just have a feeling that there's usually quite a lot of news. <laughs> Uh, there was, I suppose there was quite a bit. Um, I hadn't, I didn't take no, notes from the entire thing, um, but I just picked up a few headlines that might be of interest for us. Um, so kind of to begin with, this is a strange piece of news to be reporting. Again, it's not the kind of thing we want to be reporting, but basically um, just to kind of send best wishes to the family and the man himself, uh, Jeremy Renner. I don't know if you've heard about this in the last few days. Yeah. But he he is in a critical but stable condition in hospital mm. after being run over by a snowplow. He had to be airlifted to hospital. He was apparently clearing the road um, because there's been some pretty bad storms in the US lately. Mm. He was clearing the road near sort of his family's ranch in order for his family to get out of the ranch. Mm. And there was an accident with the kind of I think they call them snowcat uh, plows. Mm. And yeah. Um, he ended up having severe injuries to his leg, and apparently, during he had to go into surgery, and there was surgery to his kind of uh, chest trauma as well. Mm. Um, but he is apparently up and talking in the hospital bed, so you know it, it, it's serious, but that was said stable. stable yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, just best wishes to him yeah, and his family. Best wishes. We'll get a better soon. Yeah. Feel like I should cover that. Yeah. The second piece of news, um, it feels bad to just move on quickly from that, to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah. but we we have, to, we, have to. we have to get news in. Not quite as serious as a snowplow accident, mm-hmm. um, but sort of over the last two weeks, a judge has ruled on movie trailers following um, legal action from a group of Anna de Armas fans against the film Yesterday. I don't know if you remember the film. Yeah. Danny Boyle, Hamish, Hamish Patel. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the trailer featured Anna de Armas, but the scene was ultimately cut from the film. So various fans of hers took them to court over this. Right. Um, and basically, the, the judge ruling kind of concluded that it is illegal for films to feature that kind of manipulation in a trailer. Right. Um, and this will actually likely affect some big big players like Marvel Studios. Mm who have had a tendency in the past to edit footage in trailers to remove spoilers mainly. Yeah. Um, but there was obviously like a, there's a quite a famous version from the Infinity War trailer, mm. which shows quite a lot of the characters kind of running in Wakanda when several of those characters aren't actually there. Yeah. I think the main one is that it shows Hulk, but Hulk obviously isn't actually in the film apart from kind of the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, Banner actually is in the Hulk buster suit for most of it. Mm. Um, but a lot of the trailers from Marvel and other studios have featured kind of slight adjustments that might come under question under this new ro- ruling. I think one of, the, one of the main ones I remember is Thor Ragnarok. A lot of that trailer was changed from the actual Yeah, film. the lack of the, um, the one-eye thing and all that sort of... Yeah, yeah. The scene where Hela arrives in the trailer it happens in like an alleyway or something. Mm, yeah. But in the actual film it just happens on a cliff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting development that could see, see change for Marvel. I think... I think stuff like changing the eye will probably be fine, but mm. it's them big group shots that are probably going to be the problem. Yeah, that's quite. I don't. Yeah, that's quite an interesting thing to happen because mm. I feel like it's becoming. It was literally becoming just quite popular the past five or so years to have trailers that were mm. 
included like not yeah. too much but a shot or two that was just not true <laughs> um for the sake of just getting yeah. fans to look at this way instead of looking at that way if that makes sense um because yeah i mean I, yeah it's a strange sort of thing i don't really know how i feel about it it's a sort of a thing that's strange that <laughs> like it's just a odd thing um yeah it's um it, i think it'd be interesting to see how people approach it now whether they're just going to play it safe and not edit footage or if we are going to see things slightly altered to like avoid spoilers mm. because I guess I guess the ruling is kind of meant to stop things from being included in the trailer that aren't in the film yeah whereas most of kind of the edits that Marvel tend to do are actually the opposite yeah <laughs> I like the concept of people who are fans of a certain actress just leaving the cinema not seeing her and going right we're going to court <laughs> like, yeah it, yeah it's kind of like a, <laughs> it, it was very strange I can't actually believe they got that far yeah but hey, hey, it feels like the a, power of Anna de Armas fans. Yeah, it feels like you go to the pub after seeing a film with your friends and you have an argument about how, oh, in a trailer this person was in it and I'm annoyed that's what's in the film. And it, it goes too far. Like, you, <laughs> the joke becomes too far of like, oh, I really want to see the actress that wasn't in the movie. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a, yeah, very strange, but yeah. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. So, elsewhere in the news, we have a few casting things. For Star Wars, it was reported a while ago that um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead had joined the cast of Ahsoka. Um, it was kind of, I don't want to say forgotten about, but not much was said sort of immediately afterwards. But it has come out in the last few weeks that she is supposedly uh, has been cast as Hera Syndulla in the show. Oh, right, okay. I'm surprised it's kind of taken this long, kind of like a bit of a lag between it being revealed that she was actually in it mm. and from the character, because I feel like it's something that would leak immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite a big casting. Um, elsewhere in the world of actors and people returning to roles, um, this one might confuse people. It's kind of one that I saw and thought, oh, okay then. And then a few minutes kind of later, I realised, hang on a minute. That can't quite be right. <laughs> right. Um, and that is that Gal Gadot will repri- reprise her Fast and Furious role in Fast X. Um. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure... Um, I haven't seen the films, mm. but spoiler alert, pretty sure she was killed off. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Okay, well, it, it's surprising and not surprising because on the one hand, the mm. character did die in a pretty on-nose, kind of like she's definitely dead sort of way. Um, I guess we didn't see the, the body, but aside from that, she definitely died. Uh, but on the other hand, that franchise is famous in a lot of ways for returning dead characters to life via the magic of uh, plot twists. <laughs> and so, <sort of>, you <laughs> know, because um, I think the most famous example from that series really is the whole, the, the whole saga of Han as a character yeah. is... To me, one of the most incredible things ever to put, be put on film. Um, just, I think it also sums up the entire franchise and why I enjoy it so much overall. Which is, mm-hmm. a character dies in the third movie via a car crash, and that's pretty much it. There's nothing much to it. Uh, quite a you know, quite a big moment in the film. Quite a more hooker. He's probably my favorite character in that film. And then, the fourth film has him back in the movie, and then it's implied that's a prequel. And then up until, I think, the sixth movie is implied that all of them are prequels because at the end of that film he goes to Tokyo where he eventually dies. And then in the post credit scene of that sixth movie, it's revealed that the car crash wasn't accidental but actually just Statham in the car trying to kill him um, to get out of Vin Diesel's character. And then in the, <laughs> in the ninth film, after two movies of him being definitely dead, 
it's revealed that there's a third plot twist to this plot twist scene in the third movie there's actually a prequel um that the <laughs> he got away from that car crash and it was all planned and he's actually been alive in in various countries doing certain things and is now back because of the plot and he's been alive this entire time and it's it's again it makes no sense it's such a so proper kind of bring back and then kill off and then bring back and then kill off sort of thing uh and it makes no sense and i love it so much so this character coming back is it makes sense because gal uh, Gal gadot's uh star has risen since those films i would say quite Mm -hmm. a lot yeah. Uh, so it makes sense to return an actress who's become more popular even since she was in those films to begin with, and mm-hmm. and yeah, she definitively she definitively uh, she definitively dies, but she dies in a manner where we don't see a body, and and I would say <laughs> Han's death is more like visually like he is definitely dead because you see him in a car, and then I think two seconds pass and then it explodes. Um, so in Gal Gadot's death scene, she kind of falls off a car into darkness. So I think you can get away with it somehow, <laughs> slightly more. <laughs> and that's all this franchise. She happened. She should land on a trampoline. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's all this franchise needs to go. She's back. Um, so when was she killed off? I think yeah, the sixth movie. Film. The sixth movie. Um, okay. At the very very end in the in the the <laughs> the climatic scene where. They tar- try to take down a big plane with all the cars, and it works very well. Um, <laughs> um, oh, is that the film with the the runway that's meant to be like? <laughs> in actuality, would be like ten miles long. Yeah, yeah, it's that one. It's the runway scene because it's a big finale to the movie, and the plane never turns but keeps on going and going and about to take off. But they keep keep on stopping mm. it via various cables and cars and whatever. Um, yeah, might be my favorite one actually in that franchise because it's so ridiculous, <laughs> and now it's even even more ridiculous because now the character definitely dies and comes back again. Um, great franchise. Good stuff. I mean, I see a great franchise, but I am very scared for the next film because of all, all the news that we've heard about Justin Lin and Vin Diesel mm. and that hilarious video. If you, if you haven't seen it, please go and watch it of Vin Diesel looking like he's taking a director hostage and asking him about the film. And him and Vin Diesel is going whoa, stuff like that. Um, it's hilarious <laughs> and the best thing that's ever happened. Um, yeah, great, great stuff all around. <laughs> kind of other news for other franchises. Aaron Taylor Johnson has reportedly had a meeting with Barbara Broccoli about James Bond. Oh. Um, sources report the meeting went well, but there are apparently some concerns about how big a name he'll be after Craven the Hunter. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's not true that's not true um, <laughs> God. but yeah that's kind of news coming out of recently um, we have had potentially some more updates about the Thunderbolts film in the MCU mm. um, we have also received a bit of word on the Eternals these two bits of news are linked um, the Eternals sequel is moving ahead apparently oh. actor Don Lee's agency have apparently confirmed that he will be in the sequel, mm-hmm. despite being killed off. Um, <laughs> but I feel like there is... Oh, spoiler. Um, I suppose there is there is kind of the scope to kind of bring any of the Eternals back, really, with kind of the mechanics of how it kind of works in those films. 
Um, but apparently it will cover the comics uh, story Judgment Day, and it'll apparently follow that more closely than the first film followed the comics before. As of yet, Chloe Zhao is not attached to the film. Mm. Meanwhile, kind of linked to this, the Thunderbolts film will apparently revolve around the... What's it called? The big thing. The... The big thing in the ocean. Oh, the... <laughs> Oh god, Celestials. So yes, yeah, the, the Celestial Tiamut, I think the name is. Um, but the, you know, the the Eternal that's in the ocean. Apparently, Thunderbolts will focus on the Thunderbolts gaining access to this island because apparently it is going to be the MCU source of adamantium. Oh, which is an X Men link. Some reports have suggested that kind of the ruins of the Celestial will become Genosha, which is the mutants home in the x-men comics um however this specific piece of information has been kind of refuted by some insiders Uh, so it's unclear exactly how it'll work but there is kind of a general consensus that the film will kind of revolve around the thunderbolts obtaining adamantium for uh president ross because General Ross is now the president of the united states cool that's very marvel (laughs) Um, also, kind of interesting, uh, Harrison Ford was recently asked about kind of why he took the role, which I find really interesting um, because his response was kind of, I've done a lot of things and now I'm doing something a bit different. And then it kind of broke a couple of, maybe a week afterwards, saying that, you know, Ross is going to be the president now in the MCU, which is funny <laughs> because he's been the president quite a lot now. He has, yeah. <laughs> quite a lot, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's kind of information on that. Um, what else have we got? Also, some leaks about kind of Secret Wars. Um, apparently, kind of the traditional villain for the, that comic run is the Beyonder, who will apparently still be the villain, but in a slight kind of tweak on the comics, uh, the Beyonder will also be a variant of Kang and will be played by Jonathan Majors. Mm, okay. My Time to Shine, who's a bit of an insider that's taken a bit of prominence recently, has also suggested more details. Um, they, um, they've they taken quite a prominent role on Twitter in terms of insiders, but despite this kind of status, there's been little opportunity for any of their claims to be proven right, because most of them claims are about kind of the future of the multiverse in Marvel, and we are nowhere near knowing if those things are true or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this person's got quite a bit of following, um, and they've claimed that the way they're going to handle kind of these two films, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, without Secret Wars being four hours long, mm. is that kind of Kang Dynasty will focus on the new Avengers and the MCU heroes, whereas Secret Wars will kind of be more from the perspective of the other universes. Right. So bringing back the old ones, and there has been a bit of buzz because apparently someone somewhere has said <laughs> in Chinese whispers on the internet. <laughs> that Secret Wars will see Tobey Maguire and Hugh Jackman united. Of course. <laughs> Which, you know, it's kind of... Ten years ago, if that was said, it'd been, ha ha yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's still not exactly tr- proven now, but it's kind of like, this could happen. It, it feels <laughs> tangible. This is weird. In a weird way. And it fulfills the prophecy of... Um, I think Hugh Jackman was meant to be in the first Spider-Man film. In like a cameo mm. sort of thing with Stanley as well, um, well maybe there's a yeah. reference to him. I don't know, but yeah, it's it the whole era of early two thousands Marvel coming back in its various forms at the moment is very strange. I I I look forward to it, but I I just kind of at the same time 
especially with like Fantastic Four, for example, I kind of am like, yeah, but please remember it was it was quite bad. <laughs> um, it wasn't a great time. It was just you know your childhood and my childhood, yeah. Um, but because mm. yeah, because there were um, I don't know how much like you you've heard about this, but there was a planned crossover between like the X Men and like the original like, kind of Fantastic Four group in the two thousands. Well, yeah, because there's it, like plot concepts that exist for that. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I heard about that. The because it was all uh, the Fox brand, wasn't it at the time? Yeah, um, yeah, I think I have heard about that. So that does make sense. Um, and I just because I think one of the big things people talk about is that there was supposed to be like quite a big action sequence um, where Reed Richard cuts off Wolverine's arm or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't remember the specifics, mm. but um, it did actually also occur to me the other day that that. That we might actually still see that happen because Deadpool three yeah. and is kind of heavily speculated that the the old Fox Fantastic Four will make an appearance. Mm. Um, um, and also over the last few weeks, Hugh Jackman has kind of hinted that. Well, he hasn't hinted. He's outright said that um, there'll be like time travel and time travel devices that will feature heavily in the film, mm. kind of following directly on from. If you remember the post-credit scene for Deadpool two, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, he's messing about with like cables, device. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, it kind of might follow on directly from that. Mm. I think, yeah, um, I think everyone's a bit worried of, yeah. that with the you know the very good ending that that character gets in Logan. And me too. I mm. I am kind of worried about that sort of being not ruined, but sort of made a bit softer in its impact because there's. Mm. maybe some sort of multiverse thing where he gets pulled away and gets put into Deadpool 3 <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so even though time travel will probably play a part and there'll probably be a story where it's pre-Logan Wolverine doing that sort of stuff it, it's mm-hmm. yeah I still have a complicated feeling on him coming back because I just I just like Logan so much and I, I like endings <laughs> um, I do generally <laughs> like endings and I think I think that's my main worry with the multiverse concept, just generally, I think, with uh, Marvel or mm-hmm. DC, even just the idea that you can take an actor and say, "This isn't that Wolverine; it's actually, you know, Wolverine point two or or whatever," um, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of, yeah, I I like my endings, <laughs> I like it when things end, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but you know, we'll see how they do. I've been wrong before about some. I think very fair concerns. I think it'd be interesting to see how the play how it plays out. Um, I think kind of the way that the Spider-Man villains were handled in No Way Home kind of gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. Because I, I, I do think for the most part they handled them very well. Mm. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I don't think Hugh Jackman would necessarily come back if it wasn't for a good reason. Yeah. The last bit of news I've got down um, is that get your party poppers ready, people. <laughs> Avatar uh, Way of the Water has reportedly broken even Woo! after passing 1.4 billion worldwide. Broken even. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I mean, I'm I'm glad for it. It's done very well. I have to be honest. I I have to be guilty of saying I thought it'd do well, but I didn't think it would do as strongly as it has done. I mean, I totally kind of agree. I didn't want to agree, but I I do. I did kind of agree because you never really know what the opinion is on Avatar. I think the, the opinion, the general consensus on via the public who might not be into film that much. I feel like the consensus just changes quite often from 
it's mm. a, you know a cultural landmark too it's a cultural landmark that had no lasting impression to <laughs> to anything in between yeah. so I, I'm glad it's getting it's just deserves in terms of like the amount of work that went into that film because it's, oof, it's yeah. a lot and it's very good so I'm happy that it's getting a return and we're going to get more of them I think yeah um, they've said that three is mostly filmed yeah and they have filmed scenes for four to avoid the kids from aging or prevent the kids from aging yeah good point yeah it, it won't be mentioned on kind of what we're talking about today because kind of the slated release for number three is um, 2024 mm. at this point fairly reasonable to assume we are going to get those sequels good I am happy because I yeah I think with the second film it it sets up a lot not in like an overt way but there's so much about mm. that family that I love and then the plot lines are are kind of just there for the sake of you'll you know we'll get to it eventually properly <laughs> um, but I think it'll, <laughs> yeah. it'll be a very you know hard to swallow pill if it's never going to be resolved because um, it, mm. it yeah I just want I just want to see where this those films go because I think it'll get crazier and crazier yeah so that's kind of a happy note to end our news on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does kind of segue us into our main topic, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for this podcast episode today, <laughs> don't know I said that like that, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> we're doing uh, 2023, the most anticipated films that we have are kind of top picks for each of us um, mm-hmm. in terms of like what interests us the most. And I think, for me, I think it's talking about a lot of the, the big films of the year that I feel like will have at least a lot of conversation around them, whether good or bad, I don't know, but I hope it's good. I want to start with yours uh, first. I, I, I don't know if you wanted to kind of go through month by month, or if you just want to pick out a few kind of highlights. I was just going to pick out a few highlights, because I, th- I think I just can't trust release dates. <laughs> they always change, really, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of going to cheat here, but I would like to kind of draw people's attention to, if if current release dates hold... A stretch of two weeks in July. That's pretty crazy. Right. Okay. The 14th of July, we'll see the release of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Oh, okay. A week later, on the 21st, that's the 14th, on the 21st, on the same day, Greta Gerwig's Barbie and Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer <laughs> will be released. And then on the 28th of July, we'll have the Marvels. All right. Oh, wow. Just, just take that two weeks in. <laughs> That's four massive films. I imagine that that that's surely going to get moved because yeah, I'm pretty sure. It, I I don't necessarily imagine Barbie having a massive box office run. Mm. I mean, I can see it being a good film and people liking it, but I can't imagine it having like a huge run. Mm. But I do not imagine anybody wanting a Mission Impossible film, a Christopher Nolan film, and a main Marvel film to all be running at the same yeah. time. <laughs> I mean, I guess spoil for choice, but also I feel. Just a smart business idea is like no film's going to get their proper run if they're, if they're that close mm. together. Um, I, I worry yeah. honestly more so for Mission Impossible because I feel like it'll come out, it'll hopefully do well, and then just not really get the chance mm. to continue that streak and then you know get that last film made. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I think it, yeah, it'll struggle to have like a lasting run of the box office, which is probably what it what it needs. It needs yeah. to have like a good opening weekend. Yeah, and also with blockbusters, I just like the idea that it's kind of a a flavor of the month almost thing, where this mm. month is Avatar and next month is Mission Impossible and that month is this film, like Indiana Jones. Like I just like the idea that a blockbuster, in terms of films at least, like kind of defines the month, um, and the conversations yeah. going on at the moment. Um, so uh, yeah, I feel like. 
four huge films, whilst exciting, is is a lot. <laughs> so kind of from that selection, I was going to mainly pick on uh, Nolan's Oppenheimer. Because mm. I think this is it's quite a big landmark for him. Mm. I think it's... he's one of, Christopher Nolan's one of those figures, I think, there's kind of... There's kind of the, the wide feeling that original blockbusters, you know, don't happen. It's, it's a debate that's been going for quite a while and continue to pick up steam. Mm. Kind of blockbusters continue the way they are. But the idea being that kind of original blockbusters aren't going to happen unless your name's Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. And it's... Or James Cameron. One of those two. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea that we we are kind of getting this Oppenheimer and it's not necessarily the big blockbuster. It's, it's not the tenet. You know, it's not his tenet, it's not Inception, it's not necessarily the big uh, action set-piece heavy film that a lot of wide cinema goers expect from the name Christopher Nolan. Mm. Um, That being said, there is, of course, the talk about how somehow they've managed to practically recreate the um, Manhattan Project and the nuclear detonation. Of course. (laughs) Which will be fun, which will be interesting to see. I've actually done that. I love that everyone like had the idea of, oh, maybe he's going to do it for real like, as a joke, and then apparently it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Literally a stunned silence from the internet. <laughs> Nobody really knows how to process that information. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does it mean, Christopher? Mm. What have you done? Please let us know. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for this. I didn't, you know, kind of Tenet came out in a weird time for, for cinema releases. Um, I didn't get to see it at the cinema, but I thoroughly enjoyed it when I did see it. Uh, and I, I am I am looking forward to seeing kind of how this film plays out for a number of reasons. Firstly, to kind of see him take on this very historical story. You know, there's a lot of accuracies that he has to adhere to. It's an absolutely stacked cast. And among them, I think one of the more interesting things is finally seeing... A Christopher Nolan film with Cillian Murphy in the lead mm. because he's been he's been there and thereabouts yeah. <laughs> in Christopher Nolan films for the best part of twenty years on the outskirts. <laughs> um, yeah, he is he is an incredible actor, and I think it's kind of it feels like at least kind of at the moment that it's a bit of a stars aligning thing because mm. um, Oppenheimer has kind of been featured in uh, mentioned in several of Christopher Nolan's kind of projects. I think, I think he, he like he's he's overtly mentioned by name in Tenet, mm. um, and I, I think it's just interesting to see how he's going to tackle this and how kind of this big budget director is going to handle this definite biopic story mm. and a story that it feels kind of relevant to address. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like it's coming at the right time. This kind of man who created the world's deadliest weapon, mm. and I am. Um, I'm very fascinated to see how this pans out. Yeah, uh, me too. I think, I think just even the trailers alone, just kind of, mm. it's just a strange next film. I feel almost like Tenet was him getting it out of the system. Like, mm. I'm going to crash a plane. Yeah. I'm going to do the most timey wimey things. I'm going to have you know, <laughs> the bigger stars running in hallways and guns and you know all that. And I feel like that was him doing his maybe not his last, but like essentially his big, you know. You know, it's it's a film that I would say is the most Nolan film in terms of the obvious staples. Mm. Um, so to have him both also like move studio for reasons related to the pandemic, but also kind of almost just rebooted, but also going back to his roots sort of thing with this film. Um, 
yeah. who he has the budget and the cast and all that and the practical explosions <laughs> um, but he also is going back to a, a smaller film like somewhat like Memento or maybe Insomnia mm. um, or Prestige even uh, films that were similarly the kind of like timey-wimey and all that sort of thing and uh, biographical in a sense for some of them um, so I'm, I'm liking this maybe a whole new era of Christopher Nolan where he goes a bit backwards uh, hmm. but using his you know his power <laughs> in Hollywood to get you know do what he wants with it as well I, I, I suppose I should actually just correct what I said I said it's kind of the first time he's done like a historical film which isn't correct because he did Dunkirk Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah no I do I agree it's kind of it's strange especially going directly from Tenet to this Mm. you know Tenet is kind of I think I think there there are are genuine comparisons you could link between Tenet and something like Avatar where it's kind of a big sci-fi big kind of original blockbuster director going all out with kind of something that's very you know it is a blockbuster but a lot of what you know what gets talked about is like down to specific passions of the director. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting to go from that directly to something like Oppenheimer. Sorry, I, I didn't interrupt you there, so I'm sorry. No, no, it's all right. No. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same way with really. Just kind of excited for potentially a, a whole new next chapter for this director. And I think that's what this looks like mm. at least. Um, yeah. I I would be kind of surprised honestly if going from this his next film was another, you know. Inception sort of thing. <laughs> uh, mm. Kind of surprising, but you never know. You might just be doing it, anything you want to do, because you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the film might be open. Mm. He's one of those few people that can just make whatever he wants now. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's kind of my first pick. Mm. Um, uh, what, what what are you thinking for yours? I think one... Well, a couple have come to mind when I thought about this next year, but I think, looking through the list, I think the number one, especially with a, a recent, quite recent trailer that came out, uh, I'm quite excited for yeah. and on uh, well, apparently that's it, uh, June twi- June the 2nd uh, the film Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is coming out yeah, um, yeah. I rewatched the first one uh, December something middle <laughs> the middle of December uh, <laughs> middle of December middle of that one because <laughs> uh, it was you know it's a film set at Christmas so I thought that's justifiable to watch it again um, so I watched it again <laughs> and I just love that film so much I think it gets it actually somehow gets better every time I watch it because I think about mm. I think it's you know it's just a I think also with the concept of the multiverse it does the most interesting thing with it which is new things <laughs> I think that's kind mm. of a a thing that is a bit annoying but I do get it when it comes to multiverse and these sort of big franchises where they use it to go backwards a bit um Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is a, a genuinely, it's a film that generally is bursting with life and creativity for what it wants to do and what it wants to make its own. Um, of course, there are mm-hmm. going to be a million and one references to certain animated TV shows and the video games and all that sort of thing because you can do it in this medium and with you know the potential of that multiverse concept. But I just think the trailer as well it it did what I needed to. What I needed to see, I think, from the trailer was um, the continuation of Miles Morales' story and also more multiverse and to not have one overshadow mm-hmm. the other. And I think that trailer, it could, obviously the, the movement might not be like this, but the trailer having this sort of half of the trailer being Miles Morales and his, his mom having a, a conversation over, over New York about 
you know, him not being her little boy anymore. Um, and then that cutting to over halfway through the trailer into the multiverse madness of Miguel O'Hara, I think his character is called, and all that stuff going on. I think that sort of mm-hmm. half and half was really a relief to see, and also the animation just looks somehow even better. And I'm just excited to see all the characters I saw in the first film and then more in this one. I just think it's. I just think there's. Out of all the comic book properties and all that happening at the moment, when I look at it from like. Or, or like everyone. Anything that's coming out, I think this one just stood out to me as like. I am generally properly excited for this one. And I'm hopeful for it as well. There's no sort of like. It might go wrong, but I feel pretty confident that this film's going to be pretty great. And. If it's, mm-hmm. not, if it's not better than the first one, I would still say it's probably, you know, on the same pedestal. Um, I imagine. I could be wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just super excited. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you, just on your radar? Absolutely. It's, um, I, 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 I have a very similar feeling to you in that every time I end up seeing it, it just feels better. I think that kind of, the emotional punch that film has at the end with, with kind of the, the way that Miles's arc kind of comes to a head, it's something that never fails to kind of resonate. Mm. I don't think that would change no matter how many times you see it. Mm. So I think it's really interesting to see how a sequel builds on that because it's not necessarily a film that kind of ends and they've majorly set up a sequel. Mm. Uh, obviously obviously there is kind of the Gellar thing, um, which definitely leaves the door open, but I think as kind of a film, it feels very much self-contained. It felt like quite a quite a more isolated, singular project when it came out. Yeah. And to see that they're kind of building on that, and they've got kind of these two big sequels planned for it, I think it's really interesting to see how exactly they move forward with it. Yeah. And I think there's there's enormous amount of potential for for this this film and the, kind of how this character is taken forward because Spider Man is one of the most popular comic book properties there is around. Mm. And I think there's there's so much you can still use with that. Mm. And I, I'm not just talking it's in like the plethora of characters. I think, you know, this character's been around in comic form for a very long time. And their char- their popularity here is very much endured and kind of the range of what this character can do and kind of the people that the character can reach and the stories that you can tell in that process are really exciting. And so seeing them kind of explored in this this kind of animation style as well i think there's a lot of, lot of fun they can have with that mm. and yeah i think it's it's really exciting to see how they build on that original story and how how they move it forward yeah because i think that the weird thing about the first film that's so great about it is it feels singular mm. and about miles morales but it also contains like spider-man noir <laughs> and mm. all that yeah. sort of thing and it's kind of crazy that i got away with that and i think it i think what's excited about the sequel is more of that balance i think looking at the trailer again i feel mm. like it had that sort of through line of that conversation with the mother but also this this sort of really crazy multiverse i just like the concept also yeah. of the the enemy of the sequel not because i think the enemy the villain the first one works quite well being kingpin and an assortment of like various multiverse dr octopus and all that sort of thing i think that mm. works really well but i think this film from what we can gather, at least, um, I like the idea that the villain is a essentially an evil Spider-Man in one of the universes, mm. and for you know there, there will be a reasoning behind that. And I I look forward to seeing this sort of weird story about Spider-Man where he's also the villain, <laughs> and it's you know mm. it's not even like you know a certain a different Spider-Man in your New York is actually you know another, essentially another version of your shell of yourself. Um, mm. So yeah, I just find that interesting and i think 
yeah, I also feel like the first one and what looks like to be the same with the second one is it feels like a big celebration of Spider-Man. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much in that trailer, that trailer, and all those different shots of the various characters that doesn't. It feels, you know, not quite that kind of that old nostalgic kind of thing where you kind of just bring something back, but it feels like a respectful sort of celebration or, or nod to these things where. Because it's not even the popular things. Like, I saw a Spider-Man thing uh, from a cartoon that I did watch as a kid, and I didn't even like it as a kid. <laughs> I just thought it was weird, and it was, <laughs> it was, I think it was called Spider-Man Unlimited or something like that. Um, and it was Spider-Man in, like, a future, mm-hmm. and he wore like, a cape, and it was... I didn't like it as a kid, but I still, you know... It was nice that it's a part of this, and it's someone out there loves that show mm-hmm. and thinks it's the best Spider-Man thing ever. Um, so I think it's nice that so much of these films is about respecting what it came before and also just being its own thing and doing its own thing completely um, mm-hmm. to the point now where I, I genuinely kind of have moments where I think to myself I think my favourite Spider-Man is maybe the the older uh, Peter B. Parker who's a bit schlubby and mm. all that <laughs> he might be my favourite out of all the Peter Parkers because he's just so weirdly funny and <laughs> relatable and Simultaneous, mm. what I like about Peter Parker, his weird, him being so depressed and out of yeah, the so depressed and so sad, but also so oddly hopeful and uh, mm. still doing his job, even though he might hate it sometimes. Um, so yeah, I think I'm just excited for whatever the, this series brings. I'm, I'm sure it'll go on for quite a while because I know we're getting part mm. one, part two. Um, so yeah, I'm just really, really excited because I feel like it can it can do a lot. I think it will do a lot. Um, but mm. yeah, do you want to move on? No, I do agree. I think the sky's the limit with it. Yeah, I think so. Do you want to move on to your next pick? <clears throat> we can do. Um, I'm going to pick one now that is 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 a comic book property, but I'm kind of picking it because you know it's it's very interesting to kind of narrow in on it. I'm not necessarily picking it because I'm super excited for the film itself, more because it's just a very very weird situation <laughs> right um we've talked a lot about dc and the change that dc um on the podcast and kind of the new sections and stuff like that um so i i i don't expect us to 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 go on that much about it but uh, march 17th if things remain as they are we'll see the release of Shazam Fury of the Gods the reason I have kind of pinpointed this is because it will be the first kind of theatrical DC release since um, James Gunn and Peter Safran took over DC Films, and it's very interesting because we have we have several films. I should think we have we have three films releasing this next year that are kind of a weird limbo films <laughs> right. that are continuations of. Zack Snyder's DC Universe yeah. that have grown beyond kind of Zack Snyder's original villain, but have ultimately kind of been cut short in what we've been told. Mm-hmm. Um, there are characters who there are actors and versions of the of famous characters that we know won't be returning, like Henry Cavill and likelihood Gal Gadot. Um, they didn't have films coming out. Mm. Whereas we're in a very weird situation. We have these three films. Firstly, Shazam. Then The Flash, which is in June. And then Christmas Day, <laughs> Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. Yeah. 
And we're kind of going into these films and it's strange because they're the kind of films that are kind of meant to be part of a cinematic universe and are meant to be building blocks that we expect from something like a Phase 2 or Phase 3 from Marvel, for example. Yet, we know that there's no... We kind of know that there's no future beyond these films. Mm. And it's a very weird situation to be in. I think kind of reflecting on it, it's even weirder in that you know, there was a time when even like superhero films, they got made, there was the one film, and it was marketed as kind of just the one film almost. Mm. And there was never this kind of expectation of returning. Yeah. You know, there was obviously... The, the, obviously sequels were a big thing or whatever, but most of the time you went into a film thinking this is going to be a film, I'm going to leave, it's going to be over. Yeah, that's it. Um, but now there is the def- definite, especially with comic book properties, there's this definite expectation of a sequel. Mm. Likely, likelihood is, these films will have been filmed and then they've wrapped filming on them and most of the cast and crew would have probably expected to have been back. Yeah, probably, yeah. And I think it's going to be really interesting, especially to see like marketing interviews, that kind of thing, where we're talking to kind of the star the main stars mainly people like Jason Momoa I think it's very unlikely we see Ezra Miller <laughs> yeah um, but you know um, Zachary Levy as well because Zachary Levy has already talked about this there was, there was an Instagram post which was very interesting about it mm. well I think I think it was a live video oh it was very interesting and so it's, it's yeah it's just strange to see how these stars and these, these directors will react to the fact that they've kind of already been told that there's there's no future beyond these films mm. Yeah, it's... Um, some of them are kind of still in flux. Like people have talked about the Flash still being very much a lot of things still on the table, mm. and people still discussing discussing exactly what to include. Mm. But it'd be interesting when we do get to Shazam to see exactly what the feeling is around the film. Yeah, because I think with Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck all kind of being, you know, we have concrete answers as to the fact they won't be returning. These other stars is very much up in the air. Mm. I think it's it's not a foregone conclusion, but like a lot of I'm not, not going to dwell on this. A lot of people will be very surprised if Ezra Miller was to continue. Yeah. But very much for for people like Zachary Levy and Jason Momoa, who are very popular in their roles, mm. they kind of I imagine for them it very much feels like there's kind of axe above the head. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't fallen yet. They kind of must be afraid and suspect that it is coming mm. and in, in a weird way it's sad that all this is taking away from the films themselves yeah i feel yeah because i think when these films eventually get their trailers and their advertisements and their presses and all that it I, the majority of it i think will just be people asking the actors or the director even like what's the point um mm. which is you know that's an interesting topic probably by itself because then you like kind of into the discussion of a uh, the audiences just go to see these films because they know they'll be important down the line. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like that's a big part of these the sort of the way that we make franchises at the moment. And I think that's you know mm. I think yeah I think with this the Sajan movie and the Aquaman movie coming out, I I am looking forward to um, Fury of the Gods because I like the first film quite a bit. Yeah, Aquaman mm. uh, not so much, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know. I, I think these, you know, I feel like these films should get their, you know, whatever, how good they are, I don't know, but I feel like this should just, you know, because of the work that I got put into it, just at least get their time to shine, and I feel like even just via mm. the news that we know already, that it's just, you know, unfortunate, because they're not going to get it, I don't think. Um, mm. 
I think they're going to be almost quietly well, released. There's kind of the, yeah, there's kind of the question of what if they're really good? <laughs> yeah, what if they're like... like what, hap- what happens if Shazam comes out? And obviously there will be a heightened feeling around it anyway, I imagine. Mm. But what if it comes out and people absolutely love it? Yeah, yeah. What if it like... What happens then? Like, yeah, I think as well, when you look at the the trailer for um, for Fury of the Gods, uh, that trailer heavily relies upon, or at least starts to rely upon, uh, images from previous movies, including the Zack Snyder Sp- uh, Batman and all that sort of thing. Um, mm. There's a lot of references from the get-go to, I think, One Woman and Superman and all that. So I think... yeah. It's 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 just a weird thing that when that trailer came out, they were so confident in this film being connected to the universe and that universe continuing, and yet before the film mm. even comes out, it's 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 essentially in the bin. Um, uh, so yeah, it's I am I think more than the actual film itself, I'm just interested to see how it's marketed, if at all. <laughs> um, and I just feel bad for everyone involved, really, who created it with a lot of passion. Um, mm. Especially the director, who I think is quite vocal and quite active on YouTube and social media, who is he seems yeah. very very nice. Um, so I feel like it's I, I think he loves his character in this world. So I think him it's sort of a you know I I would I would be very surprised if they said we're doing a whole new uh, you know whole whole new DC universe, but we're going to continue doing Sazam and Aquaman in the background. Um, hmm. I'll be surprised if that happens. Um, so. Yeah, a weird situation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it, it's kind of a situation where I just have a lot of sympathy for that film's director and for Zachary Levy, who, like you said, there's a lot of passion, particularly behind that film. Mm. Definitely. Um, so yeah, it's just a very, very strange situation and one that it's almost impossible to predict to see how it goes. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of my, my second pick, my second yeah. focus. Um, have you got another one to move on to? Yeah, I think, yeah, for me, aside from uh, Across the Spider-Verse, <clears throat> I think, mm-hmm. for me, a film that I am so much looking forward to, and when the trailer came out uh, earlier this year, I I could not be more excited in my life by anything in my life. Um, and this film is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I yeah. have a feeling that Mission Impossible trailers will go down in history as some of the best trailers ever to exist. Um, yeah. There's something about, especially the the last one for Fallout and, and this one as well, um, Yeah, the way they put together trailers and the way they really rely upon that theme tune and certain songs and then just the, the visual images of Tom Cruise doing weird things um, <laughs> is it makes some of the best trailers in the world and I actually have, honestly, God, I just, not even just to get excited for the film or theorize anything, I just watch the trailers sometimes just to get a bit hyped about nothing. Just like, <laughs> I just watch the trailers by themselves. <laughs> um, yeah. I think this film and the following part two coming soon as well, I just feel like this is going to be, at the bare minimum, a great time at the cinema and something to very much look forward to. And from anything that we've seen, there's so much passion in these films, and I think this one as well. Um, there's so much passion, there's so much hard work and so much just people doing it for the sake of cinema <laughs> uh, which is always <laughs> nice to say um, and mm. it's it feels like they're doing it for the most entertainment ever, um, they're like trying to make the mm-hmm. perfect movie whenever they make one of these films and for me they they all, <laughs> they almost always get there um, 
mm-hmm. I think the final the the previous film Fallout was incredible and I think one of the best action films yeah. of that decade or even before that I think it's just such a a well put together film and so a weirdly emotional film as well and so tense <laughs> and I think yeah just looking at the trailer for the new one I love the new cast that I love like just the idea of a new cast every time with these films excites me and I think I've I think I have mm-hmm. mentioned before as well that I I get excited and, and I I'm really happy to see returning characters in trailers for other movies I I always am I'm always like oh yeah I like that character I can't wait to see more of them uh, see whatever, what they do with it but whenever I think whenever that that shot particularly in this trailer for this film where the entire team's together Simon Pegg Ving Rhames uh, Rebecca Ferguson I think that's her name um, and Tom Cruise mm, it is I think they're on a, yeah, I think they're on a boat and they're all in this one big group shot and I never seeing mm. that and getting like I think this is like the idea in my head like spring like I think this is my favourite like returning cast family sort of thing going on at the moment mm. um they're just such good, and they're so good, and they have such good um, uh, chemistry between them all. And I think I love the idea that these films start out as just, like disjointed directors' visions that collide with each other and make no sense. But you know, can are good films on, on their own, and then somehow, almost like magically, uh, from the fourth or fifth films onwards, just become this entirely this incredibly tight, compact story of the same characters coming back and getting better and better. Um, Mm. I think it's just a great concept and such a weird accident that happened almost um, yeah, yeah I just these films are always at the bare minimum incredibly good and a highlight of the year for me mm. so I think this film just looks even yeah. better somehow um, yeah it's on you know your radar <clears throat> absolutely yeah I think it's just to kind of pick up what you said there in that it's so strange that <laughs> It kind of the franchise's beginnings, like you said, they were they were rather mismatched and they didn't necessarily, you know, they don't resemble very much what we've got now, especially that second film. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's kind of strange that now as they're coming into the later films, it really feels like it's hit its stride. Mm, yeah. Like, there's finally this perfect balance between what Ralph McQuarrie bring, no, not Ralph McQuarrie. <laughs> Christopher McQuarrie <laughs> <laughs> Ralph McQuarrie is the concept artist on the original Star Wars films I think it's McQuarrie yeah it, it is yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to check this because it's in that Ralph realm McQuarrie. I think <laughs> Christopher McQuarrie not Ralph McQuarrie yeah uh, what he brings to the table and kind of the relationship he's got with kind of Tom Cruise and the cast um, and they're kind of all these stories that you hear about how obviously the stunts have to be planned but a lot of it's kind of they're changing it quite frequently during filming. Mm. I think it was especially the case for was it was it Ghost Protocol they did that for mainly. Yeah, I think um, yeah, Brad Bird directed that. I can't. And I think Christopher McQuarrie came on to rewrite the script almost mm. every day <laughs> to make it work, and yeah. it worked. Out, it worked out pretty well. Um, I, it's kind of one of those things where you hear these stories and you think that that really shouldn't work, mm. but it has. it has somehow over and over again. Um, they've kind of found the magic formula for mm. it, and it's very exciting to see what, what they're doing next. Um, it's a part one as well. I think there's a lot of hype surrounding that. Yeah. Um, and I do agree with you in that the trailers are always exceptional. The Fallout trailers were incredible. Mm. And the trailers for this are very... They are very hype-friendly. 
And I think just the idea of seeing Tom Cruise doing weird things, jumping off things, um, the the I know, I know the the motorbike kind of stunt mm. that's in a lot of the trailers and has been a lot in kind of a lot of the build up. I cannot deny, as you know, for all the study of narrative and character, I can't deny that I am very excited to see that stunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as well, I think one of the remarkable things about the Mission Impossible films is that you can talk about how they have these big set pieces, but a lot of kind of the story and a lot of the character work mainly is exceptional, especially in Fallout. Yeah. You know what what they do with Tom Cruise's character Ethan Hunt in that film. You know it it is everything to that film, mm. and I keep coming back to that kind of quote, that fallout of good intentions quote mm. um, from one of the from I think Solomon Lane. And it is, it perfectly encapsulates that character and what is good about that film and how they and how they just handled a lot of the themes and a lot of of that Ethan Hunt character and how they represented him. Mm. Yeah, I think... And I think, knowing that you know they're carrying on with, with these next two films, it is very exciting to see where they lead next. And I think there are very few kind of teams behind a film that I would trust more than these guys. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I agree because I, I just totally trust them as a particularly Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie as, as like a, a duo. Mm. I feel like McQuarrie is the directing slash writing version of Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is mm. the actor performer side of it, um, mm. and it just works. And I think as well, like you're saying with the previous film being so, I mean, the, all the Mission Impossible films, even the second one, just for being very weird, uh, they work for me. And I think they're uh, just incredibly well plot driven, uh, but action heavy, and a great, you know, kind of lesson in how do you action that isn't just kind of boring and sort of flashy and swift and smooth. It's very much a franchise built upon people barely getting through it. Um, And I think that gets more and more in the forefront every film that goes on, really. I think these films, I think in the era that we're currently in, of action scenes and big VFX films that are satisfying and very, you know, good action-wise, but very, you know, smooth, I imagine, is the best way. It's like it's kind of smooth mm. and polished and a character does this thing and, you know, it gets reversed and the character does that thing and then there's this, a stunt that is actually, you know, a CGI sort of thing. And I think this sort of, not only just a practical thing, but also just this idea that there's, the main character of this franchise and pretty much everyone in this in these films are a set of characters that just barely make it through and their expertise mm. are expertise but sometimes they get it wrong i think there's a, it's a great uh sequence in fallout where um their tom cruise is chasing after um uh, henry cavill's character through the streets of london and simon Pitt's character is sort of guiding him through it via a ipad sort of map and I like the idea that he's chasing him and the Simon Pear character, um, Benji, just sort of keeps on messing up and telling him to go the wrong way and the screen gets locked, for example, at one point. And it's like the idea that it's characters mm. who are very good at what they do, but that doesn't, you know, exclude the idea of human mistakes that get made. And mm. I think the entire franchise is, is almost, right, especially right now, is subbed up by Tom Cruise in that bathroom about to get into another fight with that guy. And he just sort of has a moment mm. of like, just give me like two seconds, please. I'm so old, leave <laughs> me alone. Um, I think that sums up this franchise so well. He's so dedicated to what he's doing, but you know, 
give me a moment <laughs> to get ready for it mm-hmm. and that you never guess you never guess that moment he's always on the edge of like about to die mm-hmm. um yeah uh, yeah and i think these films are just it's guaranteed just adrenaline adrenaline and excitement and joy and and there's a part one as well i can't wait to see what a part one of one mm-hmm. of those films looks like where it's not going to be a an ending where they solve the issue at the end of the day and it's going to yeah. be a cliffhanger i imagine of sorts <clears throat> mm. yeah 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 that is that is a very exciting aspect mm. of it and i think one of the kind of things you always know with a mission impossible film is that you're going to get a hundred percent yeah yeah because kind of we always talk about how ethan hunts this kind of force of nature <laughs> um tom cruise's passion for these films is well documented yep. <laughs> um and i think it always brings something special when you just know that a film's been made with such a sheer dedication say what you want about him (laughs) you cannot argue that he isn't determined and isn't absolutely kind of convicted to to getting these things right in the the way that they feel like they're delivering on the promise of these films Mm. yeah and I feel like with Mission Impossible and his other films and especially recently Top Gun Maverick he knows what he's doing Mm. from a story side too Um, I think just the idea that at any point in the past four decades he could have made a Top Gun sequel but didn't until he got the perfect idea from this one guy and then decided to develop, develop that project. I think that sums up that he is intelligent about this you know, making films because um, clearly mm. he knows what works and what doesn't work because otherwise he would have made a Top Gun sequel in 1990s and it would have been okay maybe, I don't know, but instead he, he waited for the perfect moment and the perfect idea and the perfect director um, and ended up making one <laughs> I think the biggest film of this year I think last year I think um, so yeah. you know that's pretty incredible um, yeah, so yeah I'm just yeah I just trust these people to make a great film and yeah I'm so excited so can I moving on do you want to move on to, to our third picks yeah. <laughs> so 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 <laughs> would it be would it be an episode with me if we I didn't pick a Marvel film <laughs> I mean honestly at this point I would I'd hate to disappoint um and I am going to pick uh, the film, of course, a massive film that I cannot wait for. My excitement for it is well documented, and that is October the 6th, Craven the Hunter. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, May 5th, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I think Marvel properties obviously built up a lot of hype. I feel like I could have quite easily mentioned Ant-Man Quantum Mania, Ant-Man and the Wasp mm. Quantum Mania, I should say. Um, I think that, for me personally, it's garnering a lot of excitement, you know, for Jonathan Majors and what he brings to the table, and to see them kind of really go all out on an Ant-Man film, which I don't think um, Ant-Man, I think we can all agree Ant-Man hasn't quite had that kind of backing and that kind of faith put in him yeah. yet. Um, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see for that film. You know, I haven't even picked it yet, here I am talking about it. Um yeah, just, just to see how that kind of character is handled on a bigger scale. And I just love Paul Rudd as well. I think he's great. Yeah. Can't wait to see that. But kind of the pick I've gone for mainly is this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 because I think in terms of big Marvel releases, I think there was a lot of feeling that surrounded Black Panther Wakanda Forever in 2022. Mm. And I think there is... Not a similar feeling, but I think there is there's there's a comparable sense of momentum that's building towards 
um, Guardians Volume 3. Mm. Just because there's this idea that this is... It's a strange position to be in because the Guardians films are very much within this larger franchise. And when we kind of think of endings for these these franchises, we kind of only think that when we get to an end of a phase, when we get to these big endgame mile type milestones. Mm. So it's very strange to have this big universe going on and to have this kind of Guardians of the Galaxy pocket almost where we're getting this third film and we're kind of being told that this is the end of the Guardians and, and, and definitely kind of the end of this lineup. I think we'll definitely see the Guardians kind of continue beyond this film, at least some of them. Yeah. But I think so far the discussion has been successful in building this idea that this current lineup and this kind of Guardians as we know it are coming kind of complete full circle. Yeah. And I think... It's a very interesting... I've said interesting a lot in this episode. <laughs> I think it's very exciting <laughs> kind of prospect that we find these films in. Um, and I think one of the big things I'm kind of looking forward to as well as kind of the many things, kind of the new characters, Adam Warlock, the High Evolutionary, Cosmo, even all these new characters, I think this kind of rocket angle mm. that we're going in with, um, and in that it's very representative of the director that's helmed these films. Um, we've talked about it before in that, you know, Star-Lord and Peter Quill, definitely the protagonist of these films, mm. but at the kind of the heart of them is this character of Rocket and how this character is definitely close to the heart of James Gunn, who has very much been behind these films from the beginning and then there's the whole saga of him being fired, then he was back, now he's going over to DC, so it's very much kind of definitively, this is kind of the end for James Gunn at Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> um, very amicable obviously but you know this is kind of the definitive stepping off point for him mm. and I think it's very interesting to see how from the from the perspective of the character Rocket how this ending comes about and how kind of this, this arc of this very angry and very very kind of deeply troubled character <laughs> that has kind of won a lot of people's hearts and to see that character kind of finally kind of properly delved into um, and the trailers have me very excited to see how that's handled because you know he's a very volatile character he's he's a very likeable character but he's also a character that has kind of had this beneath the surface kind of I don't know backstory that we haven't quite seen mm. that's made him a very yeah just a very troubled character yeah. and to finally be able to see that backstory is very very exciting i think very sad mm. <laughs> because i'm i'm not i'm not getting a good feeling <laughs> yeah. i'm not getting a happy childhood feeling from <laughs> from what we've seen mm. in this trailer but at the same time i think it's very i'm just very eager to see how that character pans out and how this kind of this weird ending we've got in the middle of a franchise and how that, how that happens yeah because as well i've gone on a lot about this so i, I will hand it over to you in a moment <laughs> but kind of the idea that I think I think it's something a lot of people have talked about in that James Gunn as a filmmaker has been this very visible figure, yeah. very vocal, very prominent. Sometimes not through his own, or well, obviously through his own actions, but maybe not necessarily when he's wanted to be. Yeah. But he has been this kind of big personality. I think one of Marvel's biggest personalities behind the camera, and and because of that focus, there's been this 
definite sense of his development mm. as well through the through the through the films, especially kind of the Guardians films, and it's just the idea that as well as the Guardians kind of coming full circle, it feels like James Gunn has come full circle, mm. and how all that ties together is, it's a very tantalising prospect. I think yeah. I'm very excited to see the film that that's produced as a result of it. Mm. Is it kind of big on your radar? It, yeah, definitely. I think that trailer as well, this kind of... It was what I wanted to see from it, which was this... Not a sad tone, but definitely a... It's ending sort of tone, which means we're going to mm. go to the origins a bit more, and we're going to actually... I I feel like with this trailer, we I got the sense of actual stakes, and in a sense that I feel like when I walk out of that film, things will have changed for sure. Um... Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the sense that I think with Marvel, aside from its big event stories, I do kind of watch a trailer or see the reviews or whatever, and I do kind of think that whilst the movie may have stakes in itself in terms of the plot or whatever, I do kind of think some of them feel, not, I won't say the word filler, but definitely feel like the uh, kind of a, 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 a one issue that's kind of, an, like kind of an offshoot inside of an actual story that's going on. And and I like the idea that uh, whilst this film I don't think will have anything to do with, really with um, Kang or Secret Wars as much um, as far as we know at least um, and this film is going to be very much about the villain of the piece and the villain of mm-hmm. uh, what he means to the Guardians and the Guardians kind of ending kind of that we kind of from what we can gather I like the idea that this, this film mm-hmm. feels just like it's going to be not a next chapter but in a very important chapter Um and I think, yeah, I feel like the trailer got that tone across really well. And I think as well, like, yeah, like you're saying, whilst Peter Quill is definitely the main character and definitely kind of the, the leading charge on the Guardians, um, and his growth is kind of amazing to watch. Because I think <laughs> this, this, the comparing uh, Peter Quill in the first Guardians to that of the, the Christmas special, it's just a, a weird uh, growth. And a different character almost to watch, um, and I think with, like you said before, with Rocket Raccoon being the actual heart of the story, I think that is very true. And I think you can definitely feel that in the previous two films. Whenever Rocket gets a scene to kind of shine, it feels the most like I don't know how to put it, but it feels like it's James Gunn talking in a way. <laughs> um, mm. And I think as well, like whenever you every time I heard any sort of trivia about those films before I even knew he liked the character that much his favourite scenes were all, always like the Rocket Raccoon scenes <laughs> and mm. you know I feel like his favourite scene from the first one was when um, Drax pets uh, Rocket Raccoon on the head at the end of the film um, yeah and I just yeah I feel like the growth of that character especially with Yondu in the second film when he has that sign of that kind of moment where they where Yondu recognises that they're both the same and I think yeah, I feel like this third film's gonna simultaneously be quite a big adventure where the stakes get very, very real, but it's also gonna probably be the most intimate one. Um, mm-hmm. It feels a bit like a, a good mix of both from what I can gather. And as well as that, un- maybe due to unfortunate, circ- uh, uh, unfortunate circumstances, but um, I feel like he's had a lot of time to kind of make this script and really, you know, mm. get it right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I saw, you know, a certain draft of that on his Instagram in 2018. <laughs> um, I, I feel like he's had that, you know, 
in the background and that script for a long time. And honestly, he's been working on Suicide Squad and all that, but it feels like this one might be the most well-rounded of his script just because he's had that much time to work on it. Um, mm. I, I hope that's the case because I feel like a well-rounded, really fought-over uh, James Gunn script could be like pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, definitely on my radar. I think for I think for Marvel, Marvel Studios at least, I think it's yeah, I think it's definitely up there for me with. I think it might be, yeah, probably my uh, most anticipated of. I think, you know, obviously there's also been a lot of talk generally about how many films Marvel are putting out a year. Mm. Um, we have we, we we do kind of have a little bit of a slowdown this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> there are three films, but it, it definitely feels, mainly on the TV front, that things are slowing a bit. Mm. Um, but I do, I do agree with you that this kind of does stand out on, on kind of the slate, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's the, it's the film that kind of feels like it's like you said it's been it's been a long time coming and, and I think that hype has has generated a certain feeling about a lot more sentimentality than probably normal. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> yeah. As well, we know that yeah, I think, with James going working on uh, DC now, he's not probably going to mm. return at any sort of full capacity. Marvel. No, it, it is that definite kind of stopping off. The, you know, there's always the rumours of will they stay, will they not? Mm. But they, it is very definite. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, interesting to see how it pans out. Um, do you kind of have a third pick? Yeah, to go to. I do. I think this one is for some reason at the moment the 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 centre of a lot of conversation that is a bit annoying <laughs> in some ways. But this film. Mm-hmm. Is a film I cannot wait to see, and I I genuinely I can't say for sure that I think it'll be great, but I do I have hope, and I think the trailer was very impressive, and I do trust that director. Um, and my third pick is uh, June thirtieth, uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that trailer came out, and I for some reason with this fifth Indiana Jones film, I'm very much. Uh, whenever I bring it up in conversation with people, I'm very much met by this sort of, oh, they're doing another one sort of thing. And this yeah. sort of, oh, but how old is he and all this? And for some, <laughs> for some even though I, sh- I do kind of get it, for some reason, even like in the past 10 years where there hasn't been Indiana Jones 5 in production, I've always just wanted another one. I've always been hopeful that mm. it would be good. Even though the fourth one is not particularly great. I don't think it's as bad as everyone goes on about, but I think it's, you know... It's definitely a letdown and definitely a kind of a, oh uh, yeah, and the fourth one happened, but you know, it's not that bad. And, but for some reason with this fifth one, I just always had this feeling that it would be, at the very least, a very good note to end on and a better note to end on than, than the fourth film. Um, hmm. I think this trailer definitely, and from what, what we've heard from James Mangold himself, I think that all alludes to what I wanted to see from this because. I think, like James Mangold said in an interview, I think, about previous scripts before he came on board were not really... They were addressing the age and how he had aged in the last film, but they weren't about that. They were more kind of referencing it and being a bit jokey about it, um, which is what I think the fourth film tried to do to middling success. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. I feel like this fifth film, the idea that it's... I think the quote is it's about a, a hero at sunset, and I like that idea because yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Quote. Yeah, I like the idea. That this is yeah. sort of 
Indiana Jones is forgiven by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> uh, the sort of <laughs> a, a hero that's on the very end of his life or at the very end of his kind of role in that hero sort of role. And I think the trailer just mm. it looks beautiful. The de-aging looks amazing. Um, mm. The action looks very, very Indiana Jones and very scrappy, thankfully. Um, I love the idea of Indiana Jones in New York on a horse during a parade. I think that this looks incredible to me. Um, and again, yeah, I just think this film has every chance to be surprisingly good for everyone. And I think when it comes out, if the people who are talking at the moment quite a lot about certain things uh, could just quiet down a bit, <laughs> um, it could land very, very well. And I think it, I think it will be. I don't want to just say this because it's a director, but I think it could be the the Logan kind of of this franchise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it'll be as sad and as R-rated as Logan, but I do think it will be. Um, <laughs> I do think it will be at least you know that same sort of finality to it, and that same sort of kind of looking at the past in a sort of like a the old man sort of way of like what did I, like why did I do that and I wish I did this better and I wish I did that. Um, I like the idea that idea for this character, um, and also I the same thing with the fourth film. I just like the idea of seeing Indiana Jones in a different era than you know the mm. 40s and 30s i think going forward into the 60s and yeah i just think the idea of going forward with that character in the actual timeline just excites me for some reason and yeah i just mm. i trust the director the trailer looks very good harrison forward i know everyone goes on about how he's you know an actor who doesn't care about what he does but i think he i think that's just wrong i think that's the one wrong but I just yeah I think out of every character he loves this one the most and I think he wouldn't do this film without some sort of a good thing at the center to do it again. Um, mm. I feel like with Star Wars he would have came back just because he knows he might as well. But I feel like with this, I feel like with him <laughs> being the main character of this one and very much his character, I feel like he wouldn't have just came mm. back for the sake of someone said, "Can we do another one?" and it was a okay idea. I feel like he would have already came back it if it was going to be the definitive fifth film if that makes sense if definitive final film um yeah i think it's yeah i'm just excited for it and i think i think it might surprise a lot of people and i hope it does um are you on the same kind of uh wavelength yeah absolutely i think it's it's a film that i think you know like you said he does have that reputation of he just doesn't give a shit anymore <laughs> Um, but I think when he, he appeared on stage at D23 mm. to talk about the film, and he was genuinely animated about it, and I do get the sense that he he, he is actually into this. Yeah. <laughs> like, he does... like That that kind of reputation hasn't done him many favours on this occasion, I don't think, mm. because he does genuinely seem interested in this and passionate about it, because he did seem rather animated when he spoke about yeah. it. And I, I think... I too, I, similar to you, in that I do, I do really love the idea of this kind of hero at sunset, and that's the quote that James Mangold said. And just to have like a real film that feels like a swan song for him, mm-hmm. and to have that genuine focus placed on kind of, it's kind of a hero out of time almost, and yeah. yeah. um, this kind of space race nineteen sixties era. But also having that, that that kind of bringing back the the Nazis as the villains, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of it feels like a back to basics almost. But at the same time, looking forward and not being too hindered by the idea of what 
they should do for the sake of tradition. Yeah, yeah. For the sake of just because it was done before. They're doing stuff that has been done before, it feels like, but they're doing it with a reason to back it up, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the trailers look very good for it. I think the inject the injection of kind of new characters, new actors to the franchise, and kind of the inclusion of old ones, because obviously Harrison Ford's back, but as well there's, there's a few characters returning from Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think. Yeah. Um, and it, it does... it. Almost similar to like what we said about the uh, I said about the Guardian film, in that there's a definite kind of sentimentality that's being kind of drawn up within me in reaction to yeah. it, and I am really excited to see how how, how kind of it happens, how it plays out, and with James Gul- James uh, Mangold behind the camera, he has done a lot. You know, the last few years, the last few films have been cons- very remarkably consistently good. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got Logan, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, for me at least. I think that's a very good film. Um, And he kind of has that that behind him of being not particularly, you know, not kind of the Nolan-style kind of, or Tarantino-style grandiose personality behind him. Mm. He's kind of a director that does, just makes things well. (laughs) I think that's that's a very as a compliment that a lot of people kind of look over. <laughs> in that he just does what he does and he does it really well. And he does it really, really focused on kind of what drives the film forward. Mm. And yeah, I think it, there's a lot, a lot of reasons to be excited for the film. Yeah, and I think as well with that James Mangold, I feel like he's kind of learning a lot. And that, and I say that in a way that I don't mm. think he was bad before and then got better. I just mean in the sense that yeah. His films recently have been quite heavily about kind of a hero's end, <clears throat> or even mm. uh, Walk the Line, which is a film about yeah. uh, Johnny Cash. Even that film is mostly about kind of the ending and looking backwards. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, I just, I just for some reason, even before any trailer came out or any news came out, just trusted the idea that a fifth one made sense. I don't really know why, because I know that mm. for a lot of people that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it's and the trailer just kind of just made me a bit more comfortable in that opinion. And I think, mm. yeah, I just trust this film will be good. And I think um, with the action and everything to do with that, I feel like this will hopefully maintain a balance of being an Indiana Jones movie and also being this almost kind of weirdly intimate kind of indie film. Well, I mean, as E-I-N-D-I-E, <laughs> as in, in the sense of yeah. uh, it being about this kind of figure kind of reckoning of, with having um, his being at his final years, I guess. And I think as well, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just, I think it gets kind of to compare it to the fourth film. I think the fourth film, it half got away with it in the sense that it, it referenced that he was old um, mm. but didn't really make a story about it to the point where the film finishes and even though like every other Indiana Jones movie it's just another adventure um, for some reason you can't help feeling like when you leave a fourth film that's made in 2008 um, that having it just be another adventure is a bit disappointing um, mm. leaving yeah. that film I think what hurts that film the most is not that it's you know, it's got too much CGI or some ridiculous plot developments or anything like that. I just think it's a thing where it's a film that just does the same thing again, 
but kind of doesn't do anything more. It just kind of does it again um, to a lesser mm. degree. Yeah, because even, even if you look at something like The Last Crusade, mm. that does kind of feel like an ending, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, even Nathan had more of an ending sense to it, and that was 20 years earlier. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of surprising that didn't happen. I feel like, obviously, they tried to do that in a sense with the character of... Uh, of Mutt Jones and Mary in returning, mm. but it just didn't work as well. And mm. yeah, I feel like it's just it's a middling, a middling, sometimes quite good adventure, um, but it's just not enough for the big finale. I think for that franchise, and I just think the yeah. way that this still being talked about by his director and the cast is very much an emotional story before it's an adventure movie, um, mm-hmm. which I think will work out pretty well. I hope at least. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's my yeah, that's my third pick for this topic. Um, do you want to go on to mm-hmm. your fourth one, or do you want to just go through? I don't know because I feel like we're an hour and forty minutes in. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you want to kind of just go through your other picks quite quickly, and I'll go through my other ones as well. <clears throat> I, suppose, I suppose we can do yeah, just because um, I do kind of have like the full kind of a lot of releases kind of panned out in front of me on the paper. Mm. I don't necessarily have like a another fourth pick but if you wanted to I could just kind of name a few things to look out for yeah definitely yeah. on the calendar um, so kind of the end of January or January this month we're in now um, it's a very strange month in that we've kind of got a few films that overseas countries have had prior to us mm. <laughs> um, but it's also a big month in terms of there are a lot of the films that are kind of aiming for Oscar contention <laughs> yeah um, and that are being talked about in that that kind of vein, um, and then we have Teen Wolf the movie. <laughs> um, not 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 to slight it, obviously. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, it's it's an interesting month. Um, so kind of the big ones being talked about in that that idea are kind of very personal films. We've got Sam Mendes' Empire of Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 13th, and Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Very semi-autobiographical. Somewhat similar films. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they are two films. They're both being talked about a lot in terms of the kind of award season coming yeah. up. There's the film Tar, which uh, stars Kate Blanchett. People are talking about that in terms of Kate Blanchett's performance, it being another um, uh, Oscar for her. Yeah. Um, Damien Chazelle's Babylon, which has had a very interesting reaction. It has, yeah. Um, the film Till, which um, you know the Academy kind of loves the the historical film. Mm. Um, which focuses the film focuses on the kind of the famous lynching of, of teenager Emmett Till in 1955 and brings up a lot of discussions about race. Mm-hmm. That's kind of definitely in the mix. There's a lot of people praising that film. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into February, we've got um, M Night Shyamalan's Back, yeah. <laughs> uh, Knock at the Cabin. Um, that's third of February. Seventeenth, we've got Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel's big kind of first big tentpole release of of, of the year, uh, and then that m- month uh, closes out with the rather strange film Cocaine Bear. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> um, very strange trailer based on a true story. Is it what? Um, yeah, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, March we've already mentioned kind of uh, Shazam, but also in that month we've got on the third we've got the third Creed film. Oh yeah which is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. Yeah. We've got Scream 6, um, 
without Neve Campbell, if you've been following that yeah. film, there's a lot going on yeah. uh, in terms of that. Um, Adam Driver's film 65, which... Oh, yeah. Very strange, <laughs> but I think a lot of people are talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 24th, we have John Wick Chapter 4. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, and then that month closes out on the 31st with Dungeons and Dragons. A film that looks pretty good, actually. It doesn't look yeah, bad. <laughs> could be pretty good. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, also I've noticed, kind of the Zach, Fr- Zach Braff uh, directed and Florence Pugh starring film uh, Good Person, also has Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. People, uh, that's also got a bit of, bit, of, bit of momentum behind it. April, we begin with the Super Mario Bros. <laughs> Everyone's excited for I'm that. So excited for that. Um, <laughs> we have um, the continuation of the Evil Dead franchise with Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, on the same day, the 21st of April, we also have Taika Waititi's next film, Next Goal Wins, starring Michael Fassbender. Mm, okay. um, in terms of May, we have Guardians, we have Fast 10. And we have uh, also have Disney's latest live-action remake with Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope it goes better for them than Pinocchio. <laughs> um, June has Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We also have Transformers, The Rise of the Beasts. Oh, yeah. Um, and The Flash. Yeah, we uh, let's, let's pencil that one, yeah, in, yeah. shall we? Um, then Indiana Jones. Moving into July, we have another Insidious film, Fear the Dark. We have Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. As I mentioned, there's that two week stretch where we have Mission Impossible, then Barbie, then Oppenheimer, then The Marvels. <laughs> I would be very surprised if that stayed the way yeah, it is. Yeah, me too. I hope it changes. Um, yeah. Um, give Barbie a chance, people. <laughs> um, moving into August, we have The Meg 2. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. The Trench. Is, um, it's called Meg 2 The Trench. Is uh, Jason back, Stephen? He's back. Jason's wow. back. okay. <laughs> I ain't seen a lot from Jason recently. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. be interesting to see. Um, we have Gran Turismo as well that month. Um, the video game movie? The film that I mentioned before that's being directed by... Uh, I'd hoped my Google search would have brought the name up <laughs> <laughs> before I managed to actually get to it. But uh, directed by... Spielberg. Neil Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, Apparently, there's actually quite a bit behind this because it's starring David Harbour and Orlando Bloom as well. <laughs> That's a weird mix, but okay, yeah. <laughs> a very strange yeah. mix. Um, then August closes out with DC's Blue Beetle. Oh. Which I'm kind of happy to see is there yeah. because originally it was meant for like a streaming only release. Yeah. It has been bumped up. Hmm. A strangely positive story <laughs> to come out of DC of like. all the cancellations and all that. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's that. There's um, they're moving into September. We have Equalizer three, The Nun two, and The Expendables four. Wow, what a month! Yeah, that's a good month. <laughs> um, I think we are also getting to the point in the calendar where you know some of these might move. Mm. It's highly likely. Yeah. Um, October we see Craven the Hunter, <laughs> um, followed by The Exorcist and Saw ten. Ten. Yeah, that, that, that that's this year's yeah ten. Oh, wow. That's this year's Halloween release. Um, November we've got June part two. Yeah. 
Um, the long-awaited Chicken Run sequel. <laughs> Decades. Dawn of the Nugget. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, followed by the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Mm-hmm. And then to close out December, to close out the year of December, we have Wonka. Oh. The Timothy Chalamet star. Yeah. Um, a remake of The Colour Purple. Or maybe it's just, it might not necessarily a remake, but I think another attempt at adapting the book. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an untitled Ghostbusters sequel. <laughs> right. And Christmas Day, we finish with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Hmm. Okay. Um, films that are supposedly slated for this year, but don't yet have a specific release date, include Chris Hemsworth's Extraction 2, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, mm. Legally Bond Blonde 3, Luther, Red One, Another adaptation of Stephen King's Salem's Lot. All right. There we there go. We go. <laughs> um, again, just like to say, nothing is concrete. Yeah, this could change at <laughs> any point. If there's one thing we've learned, if there's one thing we've learned from doing these episodes, it's that to not believe a thing we say. Yeah, not a thing. <laughs> I think out of all of that, the only film that I had on my list uh, really uh, was John Wick Four. <laughs> um, yeah. There's quite a lot I'm excited for, like Dune Part Two, uh, but I think mm-hmm. just that trailer for John Wick Part Chapter Four just really, I just remembered how much I loved loved those films, and I think in a weird way they kind of get better and better. Um, yeah. So yeah, and just yeah, John Wick Chapter Four, very excited, and it's generally quite a good year actually. Hmm, I think it's a very promising year. Yeah, a bit of a. I would say a bit of a uh, the ending the December month, uh, kind of a bit of a petering out. <laughs> I think I'm so used to. Yeah. I think I'm so used to like December being No Way Home and Matrix Four and Avatar Two. Uh, to have it just be Aquaman Two is a bit. <laughs> is a bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's almost it's almost like a bit of a sympathy where everyone's kind of gone like, you know what, Aquaman, have a free shot. Yeah, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might come back, you never um, know. <laughs> maybe. It is also very strange, though, that a film's released on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's a choice, isn't it? Like, normally a Christmas film, you do release it a couple of weeks before. Yeah. What cinemas are even open on Christmas Day? I know, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't f- yeah there's... If, they're never open. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to release a film on Christmas Day, you would imagine they'd maybe do it on streaming, but obviously they're not going to release that on streaming hmm. because... Well... well. <laughs> Well, you'd think they you think yeah, they might change that. They might actually have a, a brain moment of going, "Oh, well, we could quiet, we could quietly release it on Christmas Day, hmm. and people watch it in the um, background yeah. on, the, on the on that day and go, oh, it's pretty good because they can't tell because they have a, a food coma going on.' <laughs> you never know; Wonka might blow us away in December. Yeah, do that. Uh, could be wrong. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the year as a whole. I, th- I think we, I think we've, I think we've picked some good ones, if I might say so myself. Yeah. I am too. Yeah, I think that's a good list, a good, mm-hmm. a good year ahead. I hope. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I feel like I kind of trust that the films that we've uh, we've mentioned specifically will at least be good. I don't know about great, but I, I just kind of trust that they will all be pretty good. Um, so yeah. yeah, good, good. To look forward to. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, don't think so. Well, I think I hope we had a good New Year <laughs> and a Merry Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah. Hope it's a good one for you. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah. I'll wrap it up. Uh, just, just to say that we're, again, mm-hmm. what we have a, a podcast. A pod, well, we have a podcast. Uh, we have an Instagram account at Marvelous Cinema Podcast, uh, where we do uh, reviews and rankings. There's usually about three posts a week, including the podcast. 
Um, so yeah, give us a, a shout over there, a follow or a like. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, get in contact any way you can, and we'll get back to you um, whenever we can. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. I think that's about it. Um, so yeah, goodbye. Yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> it was, it was uh, yeah, goodbye. <laughs>